Hi there, and welcome to this edition of the HR Grapevine podcast. My name is Eric Niewerowski, and thank you so much for joining us today. With February being LGBTQ plus month here in the UK, I would like to share a conversation I recently had with Anthony James from Pink News. It was such a great conversation. We've decided to split it up into two parts. And today our focus is going to be on transgender rights within the workplace. Now, Anthony is a great resource on this topic as Pink News is a really a leading publication for all things news, pop culture, anything related that impacts the LGBTQ plus community. Not so much just in the UK, but really globally. And so today we're gonna talk about a subset of the community, our trans and non-binary colleagues that are having a tough go throughout work and through political discourse. Now, according to a YouGov survey, of trans employees across the UK conducted on behalf of Total Jobs. 65% of trans employees said they had to hide their status at work. Now that is compared to 52% five years ago. That is a 13 percentage point rise since Total Jobs started carrying out the survey in 2016. So what does this mean? Well, it means that even more so than five years ago, trans employees do not feel safe and discriminated at work. And so along with that, the poll also found that one third had experienced discrimination in the workplace in the last five years, and more than 40% had quit their job because their work environment was unwelcoming. So while there has been a lot of progress made for the LGBTQ community at work in terms of being inclusive and open, it is staggering and really sad to see that our trans and non-binary colleagues, their safety and their comfort has actually regressed in the last five years. So today, Anthony is gonna share his insights on what Pink News is doing, to make sure they have an inclusive environment for all employees, including their trans and non-binary colleagues, and what HR teams can do to make sure that those colleagues of ours have that safe and open space to work. Thank you so much to Anthony for joining us, and here is part one of our conversation. Thanks for having me today, Eric. So I'm Anthony James. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Pink News. And Pink News was founded back in 2005 with our mission to inform, inspire change and empower people to be themselves. And over the last now nearly 17 years, we've grown to become the world's biggest LGBTQ plus media brand. So we now reach more than 60 million unique users each and every month across all of our different brands through both our editorial and short form video content. In terms of what I do there, I look after our HR and people processes, our events, our design team, as well as supporting all of our content creation teams to be able to do their job as effectively as possible. And how long have you been with Pink News? I've been working at Pink News for now about 18 months and full time as the COO for the last nearly coming up to six months now. Um, beforehand, I had a slightly like weird navigating career. I was actually a medical doctor before I worked in both hospital oh, wow. for a bit and became a GP, but was always doing kind of non-clinical uh, management roles alongside my clinical work. And so uh, gradually with Pink News growing so much, particularly in the last few years, it was something me and Ben were talking about a lot. And our previous CEO, CEO uh, moved back to Australia with his new husband and uh, right. felt like the right time to take on a full-time role, having been doing more of a kind of 
strategy directory role beforehand. So yeah, really enjoying it so far. It's an amazing time for Pink News. We've got a fantastic team uh, who like to keep us on our toes. And uh, yeah, it's yeah doing fantastic. We've had so many great successes over the last few years. So we are chatting today because, uh, you know, February is LGBTQ plus history month. And so I just want to start off kind of with a tough question. Something that we cover a lot on HR Grapevine and something that you probably cover a lot as well is how members of the LGBTQ community can really feel safe and open and be their true selves at work. And there has been a lot of progress in the last 20 years, but our transgender and non-binary colleagues are still having a tough time. We report on the statistics that a lot of transgender and non-binary colleagues don't feel comfortable really coming out and living their true selves at work. What more needs to be done to ensure that that specific subset have a safe space to work? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question and one that, you know, we're still figuring out as well. Like despite being obviously an LGBTQ plus media company and having a really diverse team, we're, we're trying to be kind of ahead of the curve, but we're still also like learning from trans and non-binary uh, team members, as well as the wider trans and non-binary community about how we can really get things right and how we can all be continuing to kind of learn together, um, particularly at the minute, you know, in the context of not to get too political, but obviously, as you yeah. say, uh, things for trans and non-binary people aren't great. And particularly in the UK, if we look just specifically at the UK, we have seen probably actually like a move backwards when it comes to trans rights over the last few years. There's like right. an incredibly hostile kind of toxic environment which has been whipped up by a lot of the mainstream press and a very vocal but uh, and and kind of powerful as well I would say minority who seem to be doing everything that they can to convince the majority who may not be really kind of familiar at all with trans and non-binary issues uh, that you know people trans and non-binary people should be feared or that they should be vilified in this way so we're really trying to obviously as a in terms of pink news really trying to help overcome that and provide a more kind of measured and informed voice about the real experiences that trans and non-binary people uh, are having at the minute and also obviously doing everything we can to support our trans and non-binary colleagues at work as well like last year we had um, a new event we've got we do a series of events every year we launched a new one last year uh, which was a trans summit which was looking specifically at the next steps for trans and binary inclusion in the workplace we had more than 250 participants as well as experts and activists from many different industries coming together to discuss what we could do next and i guess the main things that came out of that was really kind of started for a lot of people it's really starting with the basics so having a uh, kind of basic set of policies to support trans people so whether that's uh, something as simple as pronouns or names having a culture where you check in with people about what their pronouns are when you first meet them and you share your pronouns whether that's in your email signature on external meetings with clients in internal meetings during our onboarding whatever it might be we all have become much more familiar with really like valuing what people's pronouns are and uh, and also sometimes understanding that those can change during somebody's time with a company as well so something as simple as that also now that we're kind of for ping news anyway we're going back to a more hybrid model of working so in the office at least one or two days a week uh, and the rest of the time at home and as lots of people go through a similar journey making sure that the working environment is one which is inclusive for not just trans and non-binary people obviously for everybody but specifically looking at trans and non-binary people thinking about 
kind of non-gender dress codes, thinking about the facilities you have, having non, uh, uh, kind of non-gendered facilities, which are inclusive for everybody. And also just in the space that you're in, having inclusive affirmative symbols, whether that's promotional materials, which include uh, views of everybody, which include uh, just non-heteronormative and non-cisgendered uh, approaches to everything, which is really common to see in lots of places. So for us, this is really important. We're still finding a permanent base. We're also working in lots of shared office spaces, which uh-huh. some are better than others at providing these. And it's something that is really important and something that uh, trans and non-binary team members have flagged, obviously, when we're going through this transition back to uh, hybrid working, like making sure that the spaces that we have are safe and inclusive for them as well. So those are the kind of real basics. Then for me, it's also about having appropriate training for the whole team. And that is training which is delivered by the community or informed by the community. So definitely what we always, what I'm always conscious of is also not putting too much emotional burden on our trans and non-binary colleagues at work. So there's no expectation, you should never have the expectation that they will be the people who are having to inform and educate their colleagues. This is something we always look to our trans and non-binary colleagues to learn from them and get kind of a sense check on what we're doing and how we can improve things. But we have company-wide training, specifically diversity training, are targeted just to discuss trans and non-binary issues. That's about making sure that everybody's informed. But really what it's about is creating a network of champions for for the rest of our team's trans and binary colleagues. So as we've grown as an organization, we obviously have a large number of our team are LGBTQ+, but we also have a lot of heterosexual, a lot of cisgender people. And so actually it's about everybody coming to the same place in terms of understanding the issues of the day, understanding the specific needs of their colleagues and being able to champion and celebrate those specific needs and, and, um, and also like sometimes raise things as well. So if there's somebody does make a mistake with whether that's a small microaggression or getting something wrong when it comes to terminology, right. making sure that everybody in the team feels empowered to be able to call those things out, not in a kind of aggressive or hostile way, but just in a kind of all of us sense checking one another to make sure we're getting it right as much as we can. Obviously, there'll always be times where you do make a slip up, you might get somebody's pronoun wrong, or you might just say something which is maybe slightly inappropriate in the context of the person they are saying it to. We all have to recognize that we can make mistakes and feel comfortable with doing that. It will always feel embarrassing for the person who makes the mistake, but it's important that we kind of feel confident and comfortable to be able to call those out and not also just rely on, in this case, like trans and non-binary team members being the ones that have to call out those things. And again, have that kind of additional emotional burden be put on them. What, what I like there is what you kind of said at the end was that it's, it's, it's not just to the trans and non-binary colleagues to kind of call out the mistakes. It's for everyone to kind of, kind of come together and say, you know, here's how we fix that. And I think that's great. This is not like a brag at all, but where I come from in America, uh, just the whole country in America, I think, I think sadly America's winning this war of trans rights regression, um, especially in the last, oh, I mean, it's, I mean, especially since 2016, but since, you know, even in the last two years, it's really been, it's really gotten a lot worse. And actually uh, at, at one of my old positions in the States, I uh, EP'd a uh, documentary on a colleague of mine and a really good friend who began their transition in Salt Lake City, which is one of the most conservative cities, you know, run by the Mormon church. Sadly, they went through conversion training through all of that in their childhood. And she finally got the confidence uh, to transition. And so we 
did a documentary about her transitioning at work and everything seemed to go really, really well at first and then come to do the follow-up a couple months later and she left because she was still getting misgendered. And especially with her, she was being called by her dead name quite a bit. And even just things like changing the email through corporate IT was a really, really tough process. So yeah, I I don't think anyone's winning in that, but uh, um, it's certainly great to see Pink News doing all that you can, and especially in the education um, part of that. So thanks for- You're totally right when it comes to, in the US, definitely things are ahead of us where we are in the UK at the minute. And for Pink News, our biggest audience is in the US. So when we do things Uh like polling Calling our users and our audience members on different issues, it's always kind of just interesting sometimes to see the stark contrasts between how trans and non-binary people feel and the issues that they're facing in the UK versus in the US. And it feels, it just feels kind of shocking in many ways that we are where we are in the UK and that the the kind of environment and the discourse when it comes to trans and non-binary people is quite as hostile and toxic as it is. Um, yeah, it's just, it always, you know, no matter even living in it and working in this kind of area, it's still when you kind of take a step back and look at things, it always is shocking. Um, yeah. But, you know, as I think news, we are in the kind of fortunate position. We're about 50 people at the minute. So it's still a small organisation. We can be quite agile and nimble and listen perhaps in a different way than a bigger organisation might do things. Um, but, you know, for us, one of the big successes of the last few years in terms of workplace policy was definitely introducing our transitioning at work policy um, which was done in collaboration with the trans and non-binary members of the team that were that we had at the time and that was all about making sure that the process that you know the journey that each and every trans person goes on is very individual and specific to them so something which reflected this individuality whilst also putting in place kind of the strong foundations for making sure that those people got we're getting the right support. Uh, so it had kind of like an approach to, you know, how your colleagues would be informed of this information, which again is very individual to different people. Also gave things like additional time off if for that person having any kind of surgical or medical intervention as part of their gender affirming process was was part of the journey that they were going to be on. So there were a lot of things that we were able to introduce and kind of put in writing there, which has been really important for us. And to us, being able to attract more trans and non-binary talents to the organisation is is always important because we want the product that we have to be as reflective right. of the community that we're trying to serve as well. So having that policy was really important. Um, and again, it's something that we're continuing to refine and, and learn from. There are other much bigger companies, not very many, but a few of them that, you know, for example, can fund uh, gender-affirming care, whether that's medical or surgical. We're not necessarily in quite the position to be able to offer some of those much bigger benefits yet but for an organization of our size we really want to be able to kind of punch above our weight be ahead of the curve when it comes to not just trans and non-binary issues but issues of diversity equity and inclusion across the board so um yeah it felt really positive to be able to introduce that and and to see members of the team benefiting from having a policy like that in place so how long has that policy been in place now it's now coming up to it'll be coming yeah it's coming up to two years that it's been in place for now obviously we're still a small team so it's not something we're necessarily using each day but where we have where it has been used the fact that it's been in place has not just been i think just for that person who's might be joining the team at someone might be joining the team and then transition or people have joined the team partway through a transition or have joined the team having already gone through a transition um 
And I think for us, having that in place has meant that that person immediately feels, even if it's someone who's completed their transition, who's joining the team, the fact we have that makes them further recognize that we as an organization really mean what we say when it comes to our mission and the content we're putting out. Also, as a workplace, these are really important values and principles that we all hold across the organization. So being able to make sure that any team member who's joining feels immediately kind of safe and able to bring their whole selves to work and be able to do their best work here and learn and grow uh, as an individual is really important to us. So having those policies in place, it's not just about the actual what would happen if you implement like what would happen for someone following that policy. It's also kind of a an artifact that people can look at as a reflection of who we are as a company as well. So even if they don't have to use it or benefit from the policy as an individual, it being there is still part of representation of who we are as a company. Yeah, and it's a really strong. Uh... Uh, notch for your employer brand, right? Knowing that uh, you have that option, that policy for employees and colleagues like that. As I'm sure you know, that the job market right now is the advantage within the applicants, not so much the employer. And people are more so than ever looking for that purposeful work with uh, morals and align up more to their own beliefs within politics and all of that. So I think that's that's fantastic. Well, that certainly was an enlightening conversation, and it's just the first part. I'd like to thank Anthony for really sharing his insights and what Pink News is doing to make sure that their trans and non-binary colleagues really have that safe support structure at work. And, you know, it's, it's not just leadership. It's not just HR. It really takes everyone to make sure that those colleagues of ours who really are marginalized right now have that chance to be their true selves at work. Next week on the podcast, I'm going to continue on the conversation with Anthony James, the CEO of Pink News, on what more can be done to make sure that the LGBTQ plus community really is fully committed and included at work. So once again, thanks for listening, and we will talk next week.